Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 066. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we all have those days when it's hard to get up in the morning. On occasion, we even have seasons of it. But what if we aren't in an obvious season where things would be hard? What if we don't know when the end of the exhaustion is going to come? We might be running full speed over the cliff we call burnout. How do we know? Even more, how do we come back from it? That's what this week is all about. Check it out. You ever had a morning where it feels just tough to get out of bed? Like, I don't know if I could parent or teach or work another day because I am so wiped. I get those kinds of days. Trust me, that is why I use five different alarms when it comes to Sunday morning to make sure if Saturday night does not go well, that I can get up on Sunday morning. If stuff like that happens to us once in a while, welcome to life. We all have rough nights. But if those kinds of things happen for maybe a season, you hope there is a really good, clear explanation for it. I think of parents of a newborn who have a very good excuse for thinking, I don't know if I can do this one more day. But what if it's not for a season? What if you don't know where the end is? Then it gets to be a whole different story. Then it gets to be maybe we are being burnt like a candle from both ends. Where exactly is the hope in something like that? However it is, whatever it is that might get us there? Well, that's the question of the day. Let's pray together. God, through your word and through your spirit, transform us this morning. Help us to find our Rest in our hope in you, we pray. Amen. Well, while the context is a little bit different, the neat thing about this passage that I'm going to read from Psalm 38 is that it helps give words to that kind of situation that I just described, where I'm going to lump it into the idea of burnout. Again, whatever may get us to that point. Sometimes one of the most dangerous things about it is that we don't know how to express what it feels like. Well, David makes a pretty good run at it in this psalm. So I'm going to do the first eight verses because that will capture the bulk of what David is saying here. He writes, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. It's David's sin that is bringing this on, but the feelings will still fit in where we're going with this. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down upon me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head, and the weight of the burden too heavy for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day long I go around mourning. For my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am utterly spent and crushed. I groan because of the tumult in my heart. Scary to say, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Can some of those ideas resonate with times you've experienced in life where you wake up in the morning and the first thing you want to say, I am utterly spent and crushed. I groan because of the tumult in my heart. It can be scary. 
burnout, being exhausted with no end in sight, no hope that you can see in the near future can be scary. Kerry Newoff writes in the, the chapters dealing with this topic, he says, for all that he was doing that was good and worthwhile, he says, I actually thought about running my car into a tree. He says, fortunately, I never ended up letting that thought go beyond my head, but it can get scary. And it can strike those who are honestly trying to do good things. Those who are trying to help other people, for instance. Whatever the context may be, whether it's as a teacher, as, as somebody in a hospital, but when you're constantly putting out, helping other people, eventually all that output can run us dry if there isn't something that's going to fill us back up. There are those who can have honorable ambitions or goals. This was me a number of years ago in my BC days, so I admit that what I'm going to tell you was not entirely maybe honorable as far as what I was trying to do, but I was the person as a teenager who wanted to be the best at everything and who would do whatever it took in this high school athlete, teenage guy mentality that seemed to pervade all of my friends, would do whatever it took to try and get there. Because I thought, honestly, that my identity was built around what I could accomplish or what kind of skills that I had. Like I said, my ambition might not have been the most honorable, but the thing is, if I couldn't beat out the National Merit Scholars in their GPA, and people who had 4.2, 4.3 GPAs on a 4.0 scale, if I couldn't out-bench-press the varsity linemen of our football team, who was known for winning state championships, there could have come a time where I could have backed my foot off the gas pedal a little bit, but I didn't, and it almost broke me. There is nothing wrong with having honorable goals, with trying to do good, with trying to help people out, with having a good ambition. But sometimes the way that we go about it, or the pace at which we go about it, or the weight that we feel from it, can get us to the point where it almost pushes us off a cliff. And the bad thing about falling off a cliff, if I actually have to describe to you the bad thing that comes with falling off a cliff, is that there's nothing to grab onto. Once you're over the edge, it's free fall until the sudden stop at the end. So the best thing to do, don't fall off the cliff in the first place. may sound like a duh thing, but when it comes to this idea of burnout, of exhaustion, sometimes it helps to see what are those signs that say, hey, warning, the cliff is coming close. And when we pay attention to those, we know we can throttle down before we end up going over. So I don't catch you off guard. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a prelude of my next steps for you at this point. Say if any of these signs resonate with you, your next steps for this week or for this season is going to be to do one of the comebacks that I'm going to offer you. I'm going to get into those and I'll explain them. And unfortunately, a lot of this is going to sound like it's coming rapid fire because I had to pare so much down out of what we could say and what we could explore about this topic. So if you end up wanting to know more, and this is just out of a book written by a pastor, yes, it's not even straight out of the word, I will lend you this book. You can see three times of what I'm going to try and give you today. But I'll try and give you some of those signs, and some of those ways to bring ourselves back so that if we're going through what David writes, if those kinds of emotions and experiences describe our days, we have something to give hope to, or something to get hope from. So that first sign, 
your passion fades for whatever it might be. Now, I get that there are seasons in our lives when this happens. When, you know, we can't go full-on passionate as it comes 24-7, 365. No matter how much we may love what we do or what our job is or our passions, those, those things that we try to, to do well at or excel at, think about it in terms of a marriage. Is a marriage that is 50 years long, is every day of it like the honeymoon? Probably not. There may be those seasons where it's, you know, you get through day by day by day, and that's okay. But when our passion starts to fade, it's like we know in our heads that what we're doing is good and worthwhile and, and honorable maybe, but we don't feel it anymore. This is the passion that if you're not in the situation of being woken up by a newborn baby, this is the kind of stuff that gets us out of bed in the morning, gets us behind a purpose. And we may know that that is good in our heads, but in our hearts, it's like, I just, I can't will myself to do this. In our faith lives, we might know in our heads that God is there and God is loving, but when it comes to going through the day-to-day, maybe we just don't feel it or experience it. It can be one of those signs that, hey, if this is going on for a while, maybe this is a sign, something to pay attention to. Number two. Little things make you disproportionately emotional. One of the dangers of burning out, of being exhausted, you can really use either of those words interchangeably, is that we end up feeling numb. And that's kind of a natural safety device or defense mechanism that we have so that we're not, it's just how we react when there's so much coming at us. But unfortunately, it's not the only emotion that can hit us. And sometimes... You know that there's a warning sign if you see a sink of dirty dishes and you empty it by throwing the coffee mugs into the wall. You know something's up. If you're going through the drive-thru at Wendy's and there's two cars ahead of you and you start wanting to play the solo from the car horn symphony number five, something might be up. After the fact, you normally look back and go, wow, that was a little off the cliff. But like falling off a cliff, after the fact, there's nothing to grab onto, nothing to catch. Another sign, everybody, I mean everybody, drains you. People are a squirrely bunch. Call it as honest as I can while staying PG. Sometimes, you know, different personalities just don't mix, and some people end up just draining us. That Welcome to humanity. Sometimes even our loved ones can catch us on a rough day and even they can't energize us or build us up. And they end up kind of feeling the wrath of wanting to play the car horn symphony number five. But when everybody drains you, the everybody is not where the problem lies. Another warning sign. Number four, now we start to get in maybe a little more deep water, a little more higher cliff. You start to self-medicate. Now, I'm not talking about let's OD on crack cocaine, because Christians, we don't do drugs, we do food, right? Maybe we'll do a little self-medication with Bob's feast out out after worship. The fact is, anything that we do to kind of numb ourselves from the pain of, of a rough day, of a rough season, instead of dealing with it, that really qualifies. Anybody ever had one of those days 
and you sit down on the couch after the kids have gone to bed and you put on the TV and you got your favorite three friends, a big spoon, Uncle Ben, and Uncle Jerry. If you haven't been to Camp Fowler, that's a big dish of Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia ice cream and a big old spoon to dive in. Been there, done that many times at camp and elsewhere. I was reading a couple of months ago this book called Heavy Brain that talked about why it is so difficult to resist nighttime cravings for stuff like that. Well, this is probably a pretty viable explanation. That whatever it is, whether it's ice cream or chocolate or M&Ms or I'm just laying out all my stuff in front of you guys, it can be one of those things that we're just trying to numb ourselves. Binge watching Game of Thrones maybe even. Whatever it might be. Again, just a warning sign. To see your life in one of these is not to say that we're going to be calling the, the guys in the white coats for you. But when you have multiple of these adding up for a season and a long time, that's when it starts to be like, hey, maybe we need to do something about this. The last one that I'll give you, and this is kind of just the saddest, you don't laugh anymore. One question, when's the last time you really laughed out loud? If you have to think about it, you're due. But the thing is, diagnosis is different than remedy, than cure. So to know these signs can be a very helpful thing. Again, to know that a cliff is there and you're heading toward it full speed, it helps to be aware of that. But now what do we do with it? Where do we go with it? If we say, hey, maybe some of this is creeping into my day-to-day life. Here's some of the comebacks, the ways to come back off the cliff. I'll give you a couple of them. Again, I said, if here's your next step. I'll repeat the idea. If you see any of these things, and there are others, like I said, I had to pare a lot down. These are some of the things to practice over this week and over the season that you might have it. One, tell somebody. Now, pride might easily say, it's nobody else's business. Maybe you don't end up having to tell all the details to everybody. Faith, quote unquote, might say, God and I got this by ourselves. We don't need anybody else. But the fact is, time and time again, we see God working through people. And that's why God built community, wired it into our DNA. And so that humility, kind of the opposite of pride, which we were talking about earlier, that is the only thing that can get us out of what pride will get us into. So when we think it's nobody else's business, well, that's often our pride talking. The humility to, to find that trusted person can help get us out of that. Now, they may not be able to help you in all ways. Some things, some levels of exhaustion or burnout or depression, I mean, they take a certain skill set to actually help somebody get out of it. But they can walk with you through it, which can be just as valuable, even if they don't have the skill set to cure you from it. Another thing that we can do is lean into God. I know it may sound off or like we might not want to do this, but there is a reason why spiritual disciplines can have the name that they do. The things like prayer, worship, fasting, reading scripture. There are things that we can get ourselves to do even when maybe we don't feel like it. Even if for a a period, God forbid, it feels like we're doing it sort of on robot mode. Like, I know I'm supposed to do this. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. David pulls this off well in the rest of the psalm that I didn't end up reading. 
at verses 15 and 21. He says, But it is for you, O Lord, that I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Obedience will trump your emotions and maybe even get on board with your obedience. That even though God may feel far, when we do this, when we try to lean in, we try to stay close, eventually that part of us that can doubt that can start to catch up with the parts that really get it. Another thing we can do, good thing is there's not just one, is simply rest. I know, again, this may sound like one of those duh statements, but somebody put it so well when they said, 70% of discipleship is a good night's sleep. Now that may seem really strange to connect, but think about it this way. How much easier is it to practice love, peace, patience, self-control after a good night's sleep? as opposed to burning the candle at both ends, and we're trying to do those things on six days of three hours of sleep a night. It's day and night. You know, I felt, honestly, so strange in December when I was talking about some of my goals for sabbatical, and and I said, first thing that came to my head was relearning how to sleep, and how to sleep well. But again, even if the number isn't accurate, the idea is, That so much of discipleship comes out of just being physically rested. Great as these things are, as big as the battery in this thing may be, it cannot last forever. It needs to be plugged in. It needs to be recharged. Great and amazing as the human body is, in all its physical capacities, it cannot go 24-7, 365. It needs to recharge. It needs to rest. One more idea. Grieve your losses. Think about how much of life is ungrieved losses. You know, we imagine the ideas of being able to grieve the big things that happen, but what about some of the small things? A friend that moves away. You hoped for a certain job, but you didn't get it. You never mind the idea of turned over for a promotion or something like that. The car you thought you might be able to squeeze one more year out of ends up in the junkyard ahead of schedule. They may be little things. They may be things that we would blow off or say this isn't such a big deal. But when they add up and they're not dealt with, they can be significant. David does a really good job, really throughout all the Psalms, of keeping a very short list of to-be-grieved things. In Deuteronomy 34, it's written about Israel grieving Moses' death for 30 days. It was not just go to the funeral and be back in the office after lunch. They spent their time with it. And when we do that, it allows us to put those events into a, a proper balance of our lives. It's a chance to keep those griefs from robbing us of the joy of today. So if any of these signs that we've mentioned resonate with you this week, practice one comeback that we've gone over. And know this, the comeback, it's not instant. It's, it doesn't happen right away. If you're experiencing burnout, it might take some time, so don't rush it. Because if God is doing surgery in your life, it's because he wants to bring healing. He is known as the great physician for a reason. So let him go deep. Because when God wants to go deep, it's because he wants to take you far. 
Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week in the Woodlane Worship Podcast.